You've heard me mention libs of TikTok many times on this show. It is one of the greatest accounts on the internet, in large part because it's so simple. Libs of TikTok just reposts public videos from libs on TikTok. They just repost it to the other social networks, notably Twitter. They expose radical sexual and racial lessons in classrooms. They expose the realities of those lessons in the lives of confused young people. They don't offer commentary. They don't constitute investigative journalism. They just present the libs in their own words and actions. And the liberal press can't stand it. So the Washington Post is trying to intimidate libs of TikTok into silence by doxing this private citizen who runs the anonymous account. The Washington Post sent a reporter. I, I don't even want to call her a reporter. The Washington Post sent an operative, Taylor Lorenz, to harass the anonymous woman's friends and family, to literally knock on doors, and then to reveal personally identifying information about her. The Washington Post initially tried to deny the doxing. Once this all came to light, they got a lot of backlash, and the Post said, no, no, that, that didn't really happen. The Post defended this, this operative, Taylor Lorenz, and the Post insisted, quote, we did not publish or link to any details about the woman behind Libs of TikTok's personal life. That was a complete lie, like so much that is printed in the Washington Post. It was just a total dishonest fabrication. The paper did reveal the woman's name, occupation, religion for some reason, and even linked, hyperlinked, to her personal physical address, a link that the paper later removed after public backlash. And then they denied that they did it in the first place. The doxing looks bad enough for the Washington Post and for Taylor Lorenz, but it looks even worse. It looks perfectly worse because just a couple weeks ago, Lorenz was crying crocodile tears on camera about the horrors of being doxed as a journalist. You feel like any little piece of information that gets out on you will be used by the worst people on the internet to destroy your life. And it's so isolating. And terrifying. It's horrifying. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's overwhelming. It's really hard. I think she needs to work on the performance a little bit. Not, Not exactly Meryl Streep. Judy Dench, she is not. You notice there are no tears. She's just doing a kind of caricature, a, a clown show of what it would look like if she were crying. But she's not really crying. She's, she's not really upset because she's the perpetrator of these kinds of things. Lorenz and the Washington Post are a laughingstock. Hypocrisy, the likes of which you can, we haven't seen in a long time, and, and really all you can do is laugh. The whole thing totally backfired, but the libs still want to shut down libs of TikTok. So now some of the largest blue check accounts on the internet are posting a fake tweet that supposedly shows libs of TikTok endorsing pedophilia. This is obviously a preposterous hoax. Anyone with two brain cells to rub together can see right through it, which unfortunately leaves a lot of people who get their news from the liberal accounts liable to believe the hoax. Doesn't make any sense at all. Why would this account, Libs of TikTok, endorse the very thing that they spend so much time railing against? What the whole affair does reveal is 
everything you need to know about the difference between the left and the right today. When the left attacks the right, they censor us, threaten us, and make up things that we never said. When the right attacks the left, we play their own words back to them verbatim. I'm Michael Knowles. It's The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Ranger Smith, who says, great news, the CDC never had this authority to start with as a non-compliant, non-mask wearer from day one. I celebrate this, but I agree we never should have allowed it to start in, in the first place. I agree, of course, it shouldn't have started. It's a problem. But the one place you're wrong is you say that the CDC never had this authority in the first place. Obviously, they do have this authority. They claimed the authority they exercised the authority. The people in elected government and all the other authorities acknowledged that authority, so they, they do have it. We can bury our heads in the sand and pretend that our government is run just like we were told it's run on in Schoolhouse Rock with a bill up on Capitol Hill, but that's not the way that our Constitution with a lowercase c actually works. In practice, the way that our rules are made, our laws are made, the way our government is run is by all these alphabet agencies that are largely unaccountable to us, the people. And if we want to stop it, if we want to restore some semblance of the tr traditional American way of life, we've got to acknowledge that. And we've got to take that power back and, and deal with that reality. We've got to fix things. When you want to fix your car, where do you go? RockAuto.com. Right now, go to RockAuto.com. Enter Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. The value of your car or pickup truck or minivan or whatever you drive has almost certainly appreciated significantly this past year. Well, take care of your automotive investment. Keep more of your money by buying the auto parts that you need to maintain and repair your vehicle at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com not only has the auto parts that you need, but they will give you a selection of trusted name brands to choose from. You pick the brakes that match how you use your vehicle, whether that's for towing, racing, or just commuting to work, which in my case would be the same thing as racing. You can get exactly what you need. Super duper easy to navigate website. So simple, even I can do it. Same price for pros and do-it-yourselfers. These guys have been with us since the very beginning of this show. We love them at rockauto.com. Head on over there right now for your auto parts and then write Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. The libs are furious that we're hearing what they have to say. They're furious about it. And so they're acting in this vindictive, horrible, hypocritical way. Now, some people are saying two wrongs don't make a right. Two, Michael, we shouldn't be investigating Taylor Lorenz now. We, two wrongs. Don't, one, Taylor Lorenz is a public figure, first of all. She writes her articles and her hit pieces with her name right out there. She goes on television. She presents herself with her real name. So at least when we're talking about the distinction between public and private, that gal's fair game. Totally unlike the woman who's behind libs of TikTok. The other distinction, of course, is that the woman behind libs of TikTok is actually doing a journalistic service by exposing the reality of what's going on in America's classrooms. Taylor Lorenz is nothing but a Democrat operative who's working for a liberal billionaire named Jeff Bezos who runs the Washington Post. The Washington Post, which simply is the propaganda mouthpiece for the liberal establishment. We've got to get a lot tougher, okay? We've got to get a lot. We've got to go after 
the, the liberal press, and we've got to stop treating them as though they're this wonderful, sacred check on power, that democracy dies in darkness. No, they're nothing other than a bullhorn for the most powerful interests in the world. They deserve absolutely no respect. They deserve nothing but our scorn and derision. And, and we've got to make that clear. A, an article in the Washington Post should carry absolutely no weight whatsoever. Some conservatives get this. Some Republicans get this. We used to play nice and we used to try not to rock the boat too much. I think that's over. I think we're, it's becoming very clear where the political battle lines are. You see this nowhere clearer than you do in Florida. Ron DeSantis in Florida passes a parental rights and education bill. The libs call it, don't say gay. Our friend Vivek Ramaswamy calls it, wait till eight. So you can't, you can't trans the kids until they enter fourth grade. Nine years old, that's the line. Before that, before that, you're not allowed to talk to them about weird, creepy sex stuff in the classroom. And Disney, which is a big corporation in Florida, operates Disney World and is a kid's company and is a family company. They're furious and they want to have a bunch of weird, gay, transgender, whatever stuff in, in all of their movies now. And they want to fight the, the will of the people of Florida and the ability of the people of Florida to have some say in their kids' education. So Ron DeSantis could try to make nice and be conciliatory and say, hey, listen, guys, let's all come together. And Disney, I understand you're a powerful interest here, so we're going to try to placate you. But please, may, okay, let's compromise. Uh, first grade, that'll be the limit. You can't trans the kids in first grade, but second grade, maybe. No, that's not what DeSantis is doing. DeSantis is actually going on the offense. And he came out uh, just yesterday and he said that not only are they going to stand up to Disney, not only are they going to stand up for parental rights, but actually maybe Disney's special tax protections that they've had for 60 years, maybe those are going to have to go away if Disney keeps trying to undermine the ability of Florida parents to govern the way that their kids are educated. What they've been called upon to do, but I am announcing today that we are expanding the call of what they are going to be considering this week. And so, yes, they will be considering the congressional map, but they also will be considering termination of all special districts that were enacted in Florida prior to 1968. And that includes the Reedy Creek Improvement District. So, this sounds sort of like normal bureaucratic political talk. Well, we're redistricting and maybe we're going to change the protections of certain districts. The Reedy Creek district that Ron DeSantis is talking about is, is Disney World. <laughs> Not just Disney World, the park, but that's, that is within the purview of the Disney Corporation. They get all sorts of special treatment there. And DeSantis says, okay, look, guys, we didn't want this fight. We just wanted to protect six-year-olds from being exposed to transgender weirdness in the classroom. Disney brought this fight. Disney said, we're going to throw around our gazillion-dollar corporation and all of our might to undermine the rights of parents to educate their kids. So, okay, you want that? Well, since you, you brought the fight to us, we're going to fight back and we're going to take away your tax protections. And what are you going to do, by the way? Are they going to shutter up Disney World? I don't think they are. And if they are, fine by me. See you later. We're going to open up Daily Wire World there. <laughs> I can't wait. Please, Disney, bring it on. I can't wait. That way we'll get, we'll get the Daily Wire amusement park and I can be a huggable character. Everything is going gay. To, <laughs> to quote Blake Masters, who is a Republican running for Senate in Arizona, not everything has to be gay. I'm not, I'm not saying we got to be mean to people or put a, stick our nose in all of their private business, but 
how come everything has to be LG? Forget about everything's gay. Now everything's got to be transgender in it. Why? Why is that? Hollywood is announcing that there are going to be remakes of movies, remakes of Fight Club and My Best Friend's Wedding. But here's the thing about the remakes. They're going to be really gay. That's it. That's the pitch meeting. They go into the Hollywood executives. The, the Hollywood executive says, all right, we've, we've only been churning out terrible movies over the past 10, 15 years. So we need some good new original ideas. They say, I've got an original idea. What if we do those other movies that were already done, but we make them super gay? Wow, get that man a million dollars. What a genius idea. So there's gonna, there are going to be these uh, remakes that are right now in the works. It's nothing other than culture vultures coming in, taking products that did work from the past, and instead of coming up with new original ideas, just trying to give a kind of woke, politically correct spin on them. We've seen this constantly in recent years. Reboots of the superhero movies to make them more woke. Reboots of go- Ghostbusters, right? Hey, what if we take Ghostbusters, but make it all chicks? Won't that? So we'll just, we'll do a worse version of the movie because it's already been done. So you, if you're going to remake it, it's not going to be as good. And then we're just going to make it all women. Hey, hey, let's do Ocean's Eleven but it's all women. How not that a great? No, that, there's nothing interesting about that at all. That's the, the solution to a problem that no one had. So they're, they're, now they're trying to make that. And it's not because it's going to be particularly entertaining. It's not because we even need a remake of Fight Club or My Bre- Best Friend's Wedding. It's just to advance a liberal agenda. You will sometimes hear conservatives, when they're talking about the bill in Florida, though now it's a law, the, the parental rights and education law, they'll say, look, this is not about LGBTQ. This is, this is about any sexual education. I don't, I don't think kindergartners should say gay in the classroom, but I don't think they should say straight in the classroom either. This is a, a line, and I, I understand conservatives are using it because they're trying to make clear that this is a bill about education and parents' rights. It's not about targeting LGBT. Fair enough, but at a deeper level, this actually is about LGBT. It is. When we, when we talk about what can be said and not said in the classroom, probably the strongest argument that the libs have against the Florida law is that if you're in a math class and you're doing word problems, you could have scenarios where you say, all right, um, Johnny's parents Johnny's parents, Tommy and Sally, go to the store. And so how many people go to the store? Right? And they say, well, Tommy, Johnny, and Sally. Okay, that's three people. Or the word problem could be Tommy and his, Johnny and his parents, I forget what the kid's name is. Johnny and his parents go to the store. Johnny, Tommy, and Steve. Well, hold on. Wait, those are his parents are two guys or his parents are a guy and a girl. And, and, it, let's say you're, you're reading a storybook. It's kindergarten, right? You're not having very advanced lessons here. And you read a storybook and you say, all right, uh, little baby bear is sitting by the fire with his family, mama bear and papa bear and his sibling bears. Well, you could read that story. That's totally fine. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I, I, is it teaching some aspect of sexual morality? I guess it is. If you mention the family, you're teaching some aspect of sexual morality. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that law, with reading that book in Florida. But if the book said, Johnny is sitting with his gay bear daddies, 
Johnny Daddy Bear and Billy Daddy Bear and his transgender bear sister, Skylar, and then I think we probably would have a problem with that because it is advancing a, a more radical, novel sexual agenda. And I think we need to be honest about that, that they are, they are different. They are different things. And Drew made this point on Backstage just the other day, and I thought it was a really good point. People have a right to standards. We have a right to that. It is, when you talk about mommy and daddy having kids, that is different than talking about daddy and daddy's boyfriend having kids. They're, they're just different things. And one is normative and one is out of the ordinary and eccentric and more novel. Those, they're actually different and, and they ha- must be treated differently in culture because cultures always have standards and norms and taboos and all sorts of things. And we have a right to our norms. People like traditional standards, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. There's not, it's not to say that we need to be mean to people and exclusionary and bigoted or whatever, but it, it's okay to say that in the normal operation of things, Boys like girls and girls like boys and men and women are different and complementary. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that's the way things are supposed to be. There's nothing wrong even with saying that. That's just acknowledging facts of nature and standards and reality. People like their standards. The other day, this is a completely different aspect of this topic. When the, the court came in and struck down the mask mandate on a lot of flights, mid-flight, the captain will come over the speaker and say, hey, we're getting, there's no more mask mandate, uh, so you can take your masks off if you want. And people were cheering. Everyone was excited. There was one airline steward who was walking down the aisle with a trash bag saying, throw out your masks. He wasn't just saying it, he was singing it. <laughs> Love it. We, we've been talking a lot about singing on airplanes over the past few days because there was this kind of eccentric evangelical band that at 30,000 feet started playing extremely modern worship music. And some people had a problem with that. Well, I don't think anyone has a problem with that steward singing, throw away your masks and everyone's happy and everyone's throwing them away. Why? Because it's weird for everyone to be walking around with masks, even beyond the public health questions and the medical advantages of the masks, which were obviously so overstated from almost the very beginning. At the very beginning, Fauci admitted that the masks don't do very much, but then later on he changed his tune and we all had to pretend. But that, I don't even think that's what the, the mask issue is about. I think it's that we don't want to walk around like banditos. We don't want to walk around like we're wearing these scientific secular burkas all the time. We want to see each other's faces. We want to breathe the fresh air. We want to see smiles. We want to go back to normal. Normal, that's an important word. And normal involves standards and normal involves expectations that we have of society. In society, we have a right to see each other's faces. You, you don't have a right in society to walk around with a mask on all the time like you're a burglar or, or, a, or a bandit about to rob a, a railway car. You don't have a right to that. We have the right to the expectation that when you come into a public place, we're going to see your face. We're going to know who you are. We have that right to standards. I, there was, basically, there were three views of the masks for for almost all of the lockdowns. The first one was the lib view, which is that you always need to wear a mask all the time with seven masks on when you're alone in the car. Then there was the 
centrist view, the individualist view, you can wear a mask if you want to, or don't wear a mask if you want to. It's your right to completely decide whenever you want to wear a mask. I, I have always been of the conservative view, which is that generally speaking, with few exceptions, you should not wear a mask in public. It's weird. It makes everyone feel awkward. It puts everyone on edge. It's not normal. It arrests the social development of children. And it's just ugly. And I want to see your face. You've got a beautiful face. I want to see it. Give me my standards. The, the White House is furious about this. The White House was, was asked, Jen Psaki, spokesman for the White House, was asked what to make of the court decision. What, what do we make of the changing science and now the changing guidelines on the masks? They, the White House wants to appeal it, but Jen Psaki's simple answer was, I'm not a doctor. You said about this mask ruling out of a federal court in Florida that it's a disappointing decision and you say you continue to recommend that people wear masks. <laughs> Why is it that we can sit here in the White House briefing room with no masks, but people can't sit in an airplane cabin with no masks? Well, Peter, I'm not a doctor. You're not a doctor that I'm aware of. If you're a doctor, I wasn't aware of that today until today. Okay, not a doctor. Just making sure. I don't know. Um, and nor do you play one on TV. Nor does he play one on TV. There you go. Most days. Um, but these determinations. Remember, the masking guidance is there are is green, yellow, and red. We are currently in a green zone in Washington, D.C., so they're not recommending it. Some people can still wear a mask if they want to. Many people do, or wear them in meetings, or wear them at certain times where you're going to be around or sitting close to people, or maybe you have an immunocompromised parent or, or friend, and so people make that decision. And there's, this is based on health considerations and data that the CDC looks at about transmissibility as, as we've seen an increase in cases on, on airplanes. Jen Psaki is not a doctor. Katanji Jackson is not a biologist. I'm not a weatherman, but I know which way the wind is blowing. Okay. And we can know these things. You don't need to be a genius to, to know that it is disordered to, to muzzle yourself in perpetuity in public. It's disordered. And now it's over because thankfully, one judge on a federal court said enough is enough. Instead of one faceless, nameless, unaccountable bureaucrat telling us that we all have to muzzle ourselves, you have one judge who's slightly more accountable, I guess, coming in and saying, no, enough is enough. Good thing. When you want to protect not just your norms in society today, but your future, your retirement, you got to check out Alto IRA. Right now, go to altoira.com slash Michael. When you do anything in life, there's one way to do it, and then there's usually the smarter way to do it, if you think about it just a little bit. You might already be investing in cryptocurrency. Did you know that you can trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 80 other cryptocurrencies in a tax-advantaged IRA? With an Alto Crypto IRA, you can trade all those great coins that you like to trade in a way that will allow you to avoid or defer taxes. Does that sound nice? It sounds nice to me. Alto's Crypto IRA is the easy way to get crypto into an IRA. Trade all you want without that tax headache. Create a new account, just a few minutes. You can invest as little as 10 bucks with no setup charges, more than 80 coins available. If you want some sushi swap with your Bitcoin, no problem. Alto has you covered. Plus, there are multiple ways to fund your account with a cash contribution, transfer cash from an existing IRA, roll over a 401k. Alto makes it so easy. Open an Alto Crypto IRA account with as little as 10 bucks at altoira.com slash Michael. 
A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Michael. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to altoira.com slash Michael. Who locked us down? Who upended our society? Who made us wear that dumb, filthy cloth for two years? You know who, folks. You know Dekta, Dekta Fauci. We have a series exposing this man. You want to talk about actual investigation, actual exposition of a major public figure. Well, that would be the Fauci Unmasked series. All three episodes are available to stream right now. Uh, I, if I do say so myself, I think it's a really important three-part docu-series, especially because this guy wants to come back. He wants to exercise that power again. The Biden administration is fighting tooth and nail to keep this mask mandate, to keep the national emergency order, to keep all of the COVID regime in place. Take a, take a listen. He's the highest paid employee in our federal government. And beginning in the spring of 2020, Dr. Fauci began to set national policy that affected the way that 330 million Americans lived their lives. For goodness sakes, I'm telling you, wear a mask, keep social distancing. There's nothing political about that. But who is Anthony Fauci? People who have conspiracy theories, those are people that don't particularly care for me. In this short series, we will do what the establishment media have refused to do. We will give you an unvarnished look at the career of the most powerful politician in America, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Don't you think it's time that you step down and let someone else who has a more effective message? <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> Fauci Unmasked is available exclusively at The Daily Wire. So if you're not a member yet, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe to join today. People have been loving the show, so I really appreciate that. One of the best performing pieces of content on our website right now or ever. So uh, do not miss it. We'll be right back with a lot more. Paul Krugman, who is the radical left-wing economist, writes for the New York Times. Krugman insists that the masks are not about freedom. He says a prediction about masking soon will be seeing many incidents in which those who choose to protect themselves with KN95s, etc., face harassment, even violence, because this was never about freedom. I don't think that people who wear the dumb masks are going to face harassment or violence, but I do think they'll probably be mocked I do think that they will probably be looked on as neurotic and kind of weird because with few exceptions, unless you have very, very specific medical conditions, you really shouldn't be wearing these. It's completely ridiculous. And I think that's a good thing because he makes one good point here, which is this is not about freedom exactly. It's about how we're all going to live together. If, if I lived in Saudi Arabia right now, it would be totally normal for women to cover their faces all the time. I don't live in Saudi Arabia. I live in America. But unfortunately, it has become normal for all of us to cover our faces all of the time. That's not just a question of freedom or tyranny or slavery or any of these big abstractions. It's just customs. It's just how we live. People in certain cultures wear a certain kind of hat. 
People wear a certain kind of dress. People behave in certain ways. Some cultures shake hands. Some cultures bow. It's just customs. It's just mores. It's just standards. And so the battle about the masks and about, actually, about whether we're allowed to shake hands or not, or about how we learn, or about how we live, or how we shop, that, that battle is, is a lot more complicated than just my freedom or my tyranny. It's, it's about how are we going to live? What are our customs going to be? And, and what COVID did so effectively is upend, totally blew up all of our customs because the, the people who run the show, the, the people who run our government and our corporations and the powerful institutions in our country don't like a lot of our customs and they want to upend our traditional way of life. So Krugman's right. With this ruling that people are thrilled about, you're hearing the cheers on airplanes and offices and everywhere. People are so happy about it. It's about going back to our regular way of life and all the angry, neurotic people like Paul Krugman and all of the libs who, who just wanted to sanitize the entire culture and keep the filthy, dirty, hoi polloi away from them, they're going to be really upset about it. And we're going to laugh at them. And it's good for us to laugh at them. We should laugh at them. They are worthy of mockery. They are ridiculous. <laughs> they are worthy of derision when they push things like this. Now, speaking of violence and freedom, there is a criminal in Los Angeles who is very, very happy today. Uh, this is a criminal with a long rap sheet with gang affiliations. This is a murderer. This guy is going to ha- face far lower charges than he otherwise would have because there is a George Soros-backed, very liberal district attorney in Los Angeles who's letting criminals off the hook. And uh, he was just recorded on a phone call with his attorneys, this, this, not the DA, but the criminal. And he says, I'm going to have to clean up some of this language because I'm going to get canceled if I use some of these words. He says, I'm going to get that N-word's name on my face. That's a champ right there. Effin Gascon. That's gang member Luis Angel Hernandez uh, talking about the DA, George Gascon. This SHIT looking real good, he says in a phone call. Now we got a new DA in LA, so they're going to drop a gang of, uh, like, my gun enhancement, my gang enhancement. My gang enhancement is 10 years, fool, for being a gang member. Do I sound convincingly like a gang member? I don't know. I've got to, I'll have to work on my performance. Just like Taylor Lorenz at WAPO needs to work on her performance, whining about doxing, I'll have to work on mine as being a gangbanger. Uh, my gang enhancement is 10 years, fool. And then the gun in the commission of a crime. That's the N-word right there, bro. He's making historic changes for all of us, fool. I'm just grateful, fool. Like, I got good news off that SHIT. They're like, you coming home, blood. They already told me. My lawyer already told me. You're coming home. <laughs> this is being reported by Fox News. It almost reads like it's out of a cartoon. I have I actually have trouble believing that this guy is saying it, except that the DA really is letting these people off the hook. And the, and the, the gang-banging psychopaths, are they might be total lunatics, but they know where their bread is buttered. They know where they owe their debts. And this guy owes a great debt of gratitude to George Gascon because as a result of George Gascon's policies as district attorney, you're going to get a lot more crazy, murderous, 
gangster psychos on the streets. That's the effect. So more people are going to get hurt, more people are going to get killed, more innocent people, more innocent taxpayers, citizens of Los Angeles are going to wind up the victims of violence because this district attorney would rather prioritize Luis Angel Hernandez and, and would rather prioritize his interests over the interests of the people who want to remain safe. There was a recall attempt against this DA. It didn't work. It's very hard to recall people. But I, it, it's hard to see how this plays very well. And it, so why is he doing it? Why is this district attorney letting these breaking bad level caricatures of psychos off the hook? He's doing it one part ideologically because the left believes that the only reason that bad people do bad things is because society has somehow failed them. And so actually it's our fault. It's never the criminal's fault. It's always the victim's fault. It's victim blaming in its purest form. That's the ideological reason why this is happening. But then the raw political reason why this is happening is because chaos breeds opportunity for the libs. This is why they always want to upend not just our standards and mores and traditions, but law and order itself, civil society itself. This is why the left encouraged the BLM riots. This is why the left, this is why Kamala Harris, the sitting vice president, raised money to bail out the most violent people in the George Floyd riots. Is because when there's violence on the streets, when, when buildings are burning, when the law is not being enforced, when the cops are being defunded, when whole police departments are being abolished, that gives the left much more opportunity to tinker with society, a society that they, they believe that they can remake through their own unfettered reason. That's why this is happening. It's not an accident. It's not just that the DA is incompetent. It's that he's a radical and he's getting exactly what he wants. Now, the only problem for him is that people don't like this. We don't like it when there are gang-banging psychos running around on the streets. I know this is shocking news. We don't like that. We don't like it when millions of illegal aliens are flooding into the country. We don't like it when gas is going through the roof. We don't like it when inflation hits 40-year highs. So then the question becomes, how are these people going to hold on to power? Look at Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not only, in terms of the actual effects of his policies, the worst president possibly ever. It's not even just that it's his fault. It's, it's that he happens to be president at a time when his political party is so far to the left and he just blows with the wind. He just does whatever they want. And he also has a brain made of pudding. So he's not, not able to really control very much. He's not particularly competent either. And so it, the consequence of that is that he's just the worst president probably that we've ever had, certainly that we've ever had in recent memory. His, his approval rating is in the doldrums. And yet he says, he's going to run for president again. According to The Hill, which is a left-leaning publication, Joe Biden has, has said to, two, to at least two people and to Barack Obama that he will run again. And Biden reportedly believes that he is the only Democrat candidate that will be able to defeat Donald Trump if Donald Trump runs for president again. His cognitive decline must be really, really bad if he believes, one, that he can be reelected with an approval rating in the 30s, and two, that he's going to beat Donald Trump. Or it just means that he's living in a total bubble where all he's hearing is the good news from NBC and the Washington Post and all of the other propagandists for the, the establishment. Just like in North Korea, you've got, you've got 
the crazy dictator who surrounds himself with propagandists. Well, it's, it's not all that different here. If, if Joe Biden is only ever listening to and reading the Washington Post, the New York Times, NBC, ABC, CBS, and CNN, then he is getting a slant on the news, a pro-administration slant on the news that is not all that much different than what Kim Jong-un is getting in North Korea. So that might be it. Or the third option is they think that they can rig the election. Again, they think that they can push for widespread mail-in ballots like they did, in some cases, unconstitutionally and illegally in 2020. They think that they can extend election day to election month. They think that they can tilt all of the scales in their favor. But the bookies right now, Las Vegas doesn't believe that Joe Biden can beat Donald Trump or another candidate, by the way. So one way that people make predictions, it's so early on that any prediction about who's going to win in 2024 is basically worthless. But you can look at public opinion polls. That's one way to do it. Or you can look at the money. Where are people putting their money in terms of bets on who wins? And right now, according to gambling.com's resident betting expert, Joe Short, Joe Biden's not looking great. The presidential election odds put Joe Biden as the third most likely candidate to win the presidency. Above him, way above him, number one is Donald Trump. And then number two, Ron DeSantis. So right now you've got Trump at the top, DeSantis, Joe Biden, followed by Kamala Harris, Harris, Jeff Bezos, Nikki Haley, and then further down the line, you get other people, uh, Buttigieg, Ted Cruz, other people as well. I, I definitely recommend caution when you're looking at, when you're making your political picks based on predictions two years out from a, more than two years out from a presidential election. Don't forget, in 2016, you had the early favorite. Uh, I think Scott Walker was probably the earliest favorite, followed by who? Marco Rubio, Ben Carson. Was Chris, was Chris Christie ever in there? He might have been in there. I, these things go through cycles. In 2012, or Bobby Jindal, maybe he's going to be the one. Or you know, Early on, these things don't really matter. But the, the reason these numbers matter is not because of who the Republican's going to be. It's because of how unpopular Joe Biden is, not just against some generic Republican, but, a, but against actual people who are getting a lot of press. What do the Democrats say about this? Well, Donna Brazile, who's the former head of the DNC, who goes on and spouts the party line on all the mainstream media outlets. Donna Brazil says that actually the Republicans are running on fumes and all of the wind is in the Democrat sails. And all we have to do is wait over the next 37 days. There's 11 or 12 states hold their primaries. You have big primaries in Ohio and, and North Carolina, Pennsylvania, where the, pre- the former president has already tipped the scales in support of one candidate over another. The Republicans are essentially running on fumes. They're running on the energy of 2020, which is the big lie. Democrats are running on an economy that's roaring back, that is uh, fighting inflation, that is helping the Ukrainians. Democrats will run on what they've delivered. Republicans are going to run on the fumes of 2020. I don't have very much to say about this woman's analysis other than that it is completely worthless. 
It's, it's, it's not even that she's making some radical point and I'm going to debunk it. What she's saying is just totally divorced from reality. It's not true that Republicans are running on election fraud in 2020. They're just not. They're running on the economy and they're running on inflation. It's not true that Democrats are doing anything to solve inflation or the economic problems or that people even think that they are. Just none of this. She's just making things up. And it, it exposes, just like the libs of TikTok story, it exposes to you how worthless the establishment corporate press really is. I was walking through an airport the other day, which is the only time that I ever see the liberal press on TV in real time. I was listening to some analyst in a very, in a suit with his tie, giving his expert analysis on how Joe Biden's doing a great job. And I just thought this is so worthless. These guys are such shills. They're such hacks uh, that I I don't even think you can call it reporting or, or proper journalism. It's, it's nothing other than propaganda. And the, the only way that it works, I think, as people are tuning out and cutting their cable and, and not paying attention to them, the only way it works is if they intimidate people, silence people, censor people, and rig the game. Social fads are moving really, really fast. You know, we, we call it the current thing. That's one way that in the internet meme culture, people refer to the, the social issue du jour. You know, one, week it's, one week it's Ukraine and everyone's totally focused on the war in Ukraine. But before that, it's, I don't know, the masks. And before that, it's Me Too. And before that, it's BLM. And it just changes by the week. And th- this has gone on for a while now. I was, I was recently reminded, do you remember Coney 2012? Coney 2012 was about this warlord gangster type in Africa named Joseph Coney. And he had some army and he did all sorts of terrible things. But for a few weeks in 2011 and 2012, everyone was obsessed with this. And they all changed their Facebook profile picture. And they all said, we're going to go get Coney 2012. We're going to get him. And this is so important in the whole world. But they didn't do anything. It was just slacktivism. It was just changing your profile picture. It's largely what people are doing now with Ukraine. They're not doing anything to really help Ukraine, but they're changing their profile picture. And that's the most important. They don't know anything about it. They couldn't pick Ukraine out on a map. They don't know anything, but they're really gung-ho about it. And before that, it was the masks. And before that, it was the vaccines. And before that, it was Me Too. And before, well, these things change. They come in cycles and the cycles are increasing in their frequency. Clearest evidence of this, I meant to get to it more than a week ago, but I don't, I don't want to miss out on it. Louis C.K. won the Grammy for Best Comedy Album. Louis C.K., who I think is a funny comedian. He's not my favorite comedian, but he's very funny. He got Me Too'd some years ago because he, uh, from what I can tell, I think they were consensual. Maybe some of them weren't, but I think they were consensual, where he would uh, expose himself and do weird things in front of women. I don't think he was accused of rape or anything like that, but he had some weird sex stuff behind him. And then he was Me Too'd and he was totally chased out of the industry, and now he's back. It shows... One, I think the end of the Me Too movement. I think that's totally over. When you, when you now have leftist activists forcing men into women's locker rooms to expose themselves, like that guy Will Thomas on the Penn swim team, when, you, when the official line of the liberals now is, we need to force men to get naked in front of women who are unwilling and undesiring of, of, of seeing that, then obviously Me Too has completely gone out the window. It also shows you that these are just movements of convenience. They don't really care about women. They don't really care about 
the, the Coney. They don't really care about Ukraine. They don't care about any of this. It's just, it's just a way to get really riled up and to have a kind of political religious ecstasy and to score a few cheap points on your opponents and then move on. That's all that this is really about. And so that the question then for 2022 and 2024 is, what are those going to be? The left is going to have to find some great crusade to rile everyone up about and pretend that this is the, the do or die end of the world scenario. Meanwhile, contrary to what Donna Brazil is saying here, Republicans, I think, are going to run on the basics. Gas is too high. Inflation is too high. Immigration is way too high. Boys are not girls. Stop transing the five-year-olds. Really basic, fundamental stuff. It doesn't get you riled up in a crusade du jour, but it's pretty important to people. Speaking of women in show business, Julia Roberts, Julia Roberts did something the other day that I, I have to focus on because no one is really talking about it, and it's so great. It's one of the most positive developments I've seen out of Hollywood in a long time. In large part, I think, because it took place outside of Hollywood. There was a piece in the New York Times. There was a long interview with Julia Roberts. And she stood up for homemakers. Julia Roberts is 54 years old now. And she addressed her long absence from rom-coms. We haven't seen big Julia Roberts rom-coms in many, many years at this point. She said, here's the thing. If I'd thought that a script was good enough, I would have done it. But I also had three kids in the last 18 years. That raises the bar even more because then it's not only is this material good, it's also the math question, the math equation of my husband's work schedule and the kid's school schedule and summer vacation. It's not just, oh, I think I want to do this. I have a sense of great pride in being home with my family and considering myself a homemaker. You go, girl. I love this. This is so, I don't just love this because Julia Roberts is exalting traditional standards and a traditional way of life. I love it because she is expressing her joy to lots of women who need to hear this. Because what she's saying is objectively true, and it is a better way of life, and it's much more conducive to happiness than what lots of women are being fed in school and by the popular culture, which is that they need to ditch having a family, put off getting married, put off having kids, possibly indefinitely, and just go work in the widget factory for some other guy until they're too old to have kids, and then they can be really regretful about that. Julia Roberts is sending a message here, and it's in the New York Times. I can't believe the New York Times let this through. That is so, I, I never want to hear again from some feminist that, look, forget about having a family, Forget about, and look, I'm not saying everyone needs to get married and have kids. There's religious life. There are other callings as well. But forget about all that. Forget about all those important, significant things in life. The most important thing to do is to go work in middle management and do spreadsheets alone in my studio apartment in some big city. That's the most important thing I can possibly do, and nothing else matters. That's just a lie. I never want to hear it from them again because the, the people who say that have really relatively modest careers. Julia Roberts has one of the most spectacular professional careers of any woman of her age. And she kind of gave it up. She could have gone much further. She could have done a whole lot more movies. She could have made tens of millions more dollars at least. And she didn't. She said, no, that money, that fame, that celebrity, that adulation is actually not worth anywhere near the value of having a home, having a family 
having kids who love me, going on summer vacation with the kids, having, making dinner, do, going over homework with the kids. These are really basic things that we used to understand in our traditional way of life that for all times throughout all of history and all places, certainly in our civilization and in many other civilizations as well, we have known are true. And there is a concerted effort by political radicals to upend and to deny and to pervert all of those things. Don't let them do it. You will be the victim if you let them do it. It won't be a great cause of liberation. It won't be a way to finally overcome the bourgeois terrible oppression of the past. You will be the victim. It will make your life worse. Cling, hold on to those traditional values. They are what are going to fetter us to reality and to a, a flourishing way of life. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Matt Walsh Show, the leftist media tries its best to defend the Washington Post doxing the creator of the Libs of TikTok account. We'll talk about that and also try to answer this question. Why are they bothering to go after Libs of TikTok at all? Also, cable news pundits are now shipping themselves off to go fight in Ukraine. A win-win for everybody, perhaps. Elon Musk exposes the overpopulation hoax. A Democrat lawmaker earns props from the left for his theatrical, tearful speech protesting a bill to protect women's sports. And as airline passengers tear off their muzzles and celebrate their freedom... The Biden administration fights to muzzle them once again. We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show.